1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Good morning. Thanks, Eric. If you want to say Merry Happy Happy Birthday to uh, to Johnny, you're going to find it hard. I think he's still on holidays, but next week he will be back. And next week we're going to have a focus on the Taiwan mission and feedback from our Taiwan mission at both services. So I'm really looking forward to that. An update, a brief update on Baby Miracle. Judy Dillon had a chat to me on the way in and just told me that Baby Miracle is she's we believe in an induced coma still but her, her colour and her face is all pink and, and healthy looking. And so I don't think she's out of the woods, so please keep praying for Baby Miracle. But um, things are looking positive. And, and the family are just thrilled. I think God is doing a work through Jeff and Beth and through the generosity of those of us who have supported. And that's encouraging. One more little brief announcement. Next week, We've got the Women's Equipped Conference in two weeks' time. This week there's a conference happening out at Dural, a revived conference organised by churches in the Baptist Association. It's just at Dural Baptist at the Sport and Leisure Centre. The speakers I can... I've heard all three speakers, and they're all excellent speakers. I will be going on the Friday and the Saturday. I plan to be going on the Friday and the Saturday. And uh, I think it'll be a great conference and really, really good speakers uh, we're also going to have Winuna Baptist camping out at our church in our hall on Friday night. Was there, they've come up from the Central Coast and looking for somewhere to stay locally to go to the Revive Conference. So they're going to be using our facility. So that's nice to just be in partnership with people in that little way. So if you find strangers around on Friday and maybe Saturday, we'll be warm and welcoming to them. They're from Winuna. Let's pray. Father, help us as we come to your word to listen with open hearts discerning minds and a willingness to serve you and know your spirit's work. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I just pray that the Lord would give us discerning minds. Many people want to have spiritual discernment. Uh, People love reading horoscopes, astrology, or maybe looking into a crystal ball, being engaged in a seance or a palm reading. 
These things are very common in our culture, in, in just about every culture, that people want to be able to see behind the veil and understand spiritual realities. Some people say, no, 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 there's no such thing as spiritual realities, but they still, there's this desire in us to somehow see behind the veil, to maybe through psychology, maybe through nuclear physics or quantum physics, maybe through cosmology, to somehow see the realities behind what we experience in just the normal every day. And then for to have answers about well, how the world works, what's really going on behind there, behind what we see and experience. Can it be done? Well, the Christian believes that we live in a spiritual world. We live in a spiritual world. I believe in angels. I believe that there is more than just a physical reality, that there is a creator God, that there are spiritual forces and powers. So I want spiritual discernment. It's a big issue for John when he writes his first letter to first century Christians. You see, back in those days, nobody went to church with a leather-bound Bible. They didn't say, open your Bibles up to Isaiah 53. If they were fortunate and blessed, they may have had a copy of the Old Testament scrolls in their gathering place. They may have had a few copies of some of the letters of the apostles or some of the writings of the apostles, but most people didn't. Frankly, a lot of people couldn't read. So you were heavily dependent upon people who did have access to the scrolls and the writings, who did have an education, who could read and understand and teach the teachings related to the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, birth, death and resurrection. Most important were the apostles. These, that's what these, the writings of the apostles, the teachings of the apostles. That's what these p- people who were commissioned by the Lord Jesus, who witnessed his resurrection, and who wrote most of our, all of our New Testament, basically. John may well have, at the time he's writing this, been the last apostle still alive. The ones get appointed by the Lord Jesus to teach the teachings, the foundational teachings. So there wasn't many of them around. But they were in a situation in those days where almost anyone could come into a Christian gathering and begin teaching about spiritual realities. To speak the word of God. So how was the church to know if these people were... How was the church to know if these people really were teaching... (laughs) Spiritual realities. In fact, if you look at the New Testament, there are many warnings about false prophets. False spiritual teachers. Every prophet, you see, is a mouthpiece for a spirit. Spirit of God or the spirit of Satan. Spirit of truth or the spirit of error. The spirit of Christ or the spirit of the Antichrist. The church needed spiritual discernment. Christians needed to be able to say, how do I know if this is truly a spiritual thing, spiritual truth from God? We have the same problem today because you are bombarded by spiritual messages. In all forms of media, all forms of people saying, 
Here is how you can understand truly the spirit, the realities beyond what you see and, 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 and experience. Whether it be through cosmology or psychology or new age techniques or seances, how will you have spiritual discernment? What is required? Maybe you need a master's degree in spiritual matters or a master's degree in the Bible. Maybe you need a crystal ball, actually, that you get the special ball and you look inside. Or The passage we're looking at this morning, which hasn't got much to do with Mother's Day. Sorry, Mum. And I, I can't even spin this one. <laughs> so I, I, I looked at it. No, too hard. The passage we're looking at today in this series on children of God tells us what we need to look for if we want to have spiritual discernment. And it's not something that we need experts for. It's not something that we need particularly super gifted people for. This spiritual discernment is for every believer. Because we are all spiritual people. And we live in a spiritual world. Our God is spirit. John has just been writing about assurance for believers that they can know they are in the faith. He's been saying you can know you're in the faith, that you are in Christ if you obey God's commands and serve others in love. If you put your faith in the Lord Jesus as a foundation for that and his righteousness and not your own. If, John says, you have the spirit of God. So verse 24 of chapter 3 Those who obey Jesus' commands live in him, and he in them. You're in Christ. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We know it by his spirit. We know we are a Christian, that we have spiritual life by the spirit. But John then, as if he almost says, but don't be gullible. I want you to have assurance but I don't want you to be gullible. I don't want you to trust in just any spirit or any experience other than the true spirit of God. So he then says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Is this the spirit of God? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There is a real and present danger. False prophets have gone out into the world. They are everywhere. So beware. They claim that they speak for God, that they have the spirit of God, but they speak their own words. They are false prophets. And they will infiltrate churches because people go to church. People come to, you think about it in the New Testament, they didn't have your leather-bound Bible. You come to the gathering to hear the words of God, to hear the word of God. So they will go to churches to speak the word of God, to lead people astray with a message that is not from God. And John says, watch out, test the spirits. Before you get on an aeroplane, you have to undergo, or a normal, you know, the ones we fly on most of the time, you have to go through certain tests. You pass through the metal detectors. When we went to Japan, I actually got, they picked me out for the special, special test. I don't know why. I must have looked suspicious. They, did, they do bag scans. Because there is a real and present danger, isn't there? There are terrorists out there in the world. 
And airport security people, maybe that's why they pulled me aside for the special test, have been trained in how to spot likely suspects. Have you noticed, I don't think terrorists, when they walk onto aeroplanes, don't walk in generally with big black beards and scarves around their heads and ISIL flags over their shoulders. If you've got a terrorist on your plane, he or she will more likely walk in in casual clothes or business clothes, cleanly shaven. The terrorist tries to blend in so that they are not suspected or identified, but they come to destroy John says there are many false prophets in the world. Test them because they will try to infiltrate your church and lead you astray and they won't be obvious. You need the special test to test for them. They will blend in. John Stott, the great um, Anglican teacher and preacher, wrote this. Today there is a great need for Christian discernment. Many Christians are too gullible and exhibit a naive readiness to credit messages and teachings which purport to come from the spirit world. There is such a thing as a misguided tolerance of false doctrine. Unbelief, do not believe every spirit, he says, unbelief can be as much a mark of spiritual maturity as belief. He's warning that you need to be someone who's prepared to be an unbeliever when you hear each and everything. And that can be a mark of spiritual maturity. In today's world, we place a uh, postmodernism's taken control. We place such a high value on tolerance, whatever that might mean for you and me, because we can't even define that. And, and other, but what it means is that being a discerning judge is almost a negative thing. We don't like passing judgments on others. Live and let live. But the Christian must exercise spiritual discernment. We must test the spirits. We are commanded by God here in John's letter to test the spirits. One of the difficulties is we often use the wrong instruments. You know, you're going to test the spirits. You don't use a thermometer to measure You don't use litmus paper to find out how hot something is. If you do, you will get meaningless results. We can use the wrong instruments to test for spiritual discernment. We can use the instrument of niceness. Niceness is good. Christians should be nice. But we can say they are such nice people. They are warm and friendly. They must be speaking the truth. Now, we need to be nice, but it's not a mark of those who have the Spirit of God. Another criteria we might use is sincerity. They were so sincere, I was deeply moved by her testimony. It's possible to be sincerely wrong. There are many sincere people who believe things totally contradictory to the word of God. The sincere Muslim will believe that I am sincerely wrong. As I believe the sincere Muslim is sincerely wrong. Sincerity is not a test. A third instrument we may use is um, God talk. 
or common experience. You speak a similar sort of religious language. You share similar religious experiences. Do you raise your hands up when you sing too? I do that as well. We must be on the same game. Have you had that kind of experience? You know, we talk about God and prayer. You must be, believe what I believe. Just because we find nice, sincere people who talk about God and prayer and hope and purpose does not mean that we have met someone who is a child of God, who shares the same spirit. We need spiritual discernment because false prophets are in the world trying to lead the children of God astray. And if you find what I say quite harsh, as I'm even finding it harsh to say, it's probably because we've been so impacted by postmodernism and ultra-tolerance and a lack of discernment, which is not healthy for Christians. Some Christians, on the other hand, use the wrong instruments. They use an infrared laser spectrometer when a ruler will do. Do you have the Spirit of God? Well, let me pull out my whole list of doctrines that you've got to conform to and my, all my measures and narrow you down until you're in a box this big and, oh, you must be a believer. Well, actually, in fact, they might be, the ruler might say five centimetres and they might be measuring three and a half. This big. How do we test the spirits then? You've got the extremes of gullibility and super tolerance and suspicion and legalism. They seem so prevalent. Well, John gives us the acid test here in this passage. How do you test the spirit to exercise spiritual discernment? Look at verse 2. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Okay, is it by, by speaking in tongues? Is it by raising your hands when you sing? Is it certain forms of prayer? Is it certain practices in the church? Now, you recognize the spirit of Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. If you've been listening to this series or read through 1 John, he's saying it again. He keeps banging out the same old drumbeat. What matters above all else is your response to Jesus the Messiah. Verse 2 could be translated, and I think it perhaps is better translated, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, having come in the flesh, is from God. Jesus is God's Messiah, his promised king, the saviour king who will establish God's kingdom and overthrow God's enemies just as promised in the Old Testament scriptures. He was born of a woman. He grew up flesh and blood like the rest of us. He died on a cross for the sins of the world. His blood was spilt. He died. He was buried He was raised to new life on the third day. Every spirit that acknowledges these truths about Jesus and all that they entail is from God. 
Don't use litmus paper when this is the test. Don't use the infrared spectrometer to zoom in this narrow when this is the test. Conversely, every spirit that acknowledge, does not acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah come in the flesh is of the Antichrist. It is against the Messiah. And today, every deviant form of Christianity, of Christian faith, in some way diminishes or distorts the person of Jesus. John's test is very simple. Was Jesus truly God's Messiah? Was he the Word made flesh? Truly man, truly God. Who died for the sins of the world. If the answer is no, then whoever, however nice the people are, however much they talk the same language, whatever claims they may make, they cannot claim to be a Christian. They are false prophets. They are antichrists. Which is a struggle for us because today just about everybody wants to embrace Jesus. He's very embraceable. His character, his sacrifice shine forth. But not everybody wants to embrace him as Messiah, as Lord, as the Word made flesh, as the one and only way, the narrow gate that leads to life. Few want to embrace the cross and recognize in humility that Jesus' death on the cross was for their sin that they need to come to him personally as Messiah and Lord and look to his death and his death alone as being sufficient for their forgiveness and eternal salvation. Those who do not do this are opposed to Christ. They are anti-Christ. Jesus himself said in Luke 11, He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. It's a big issue. Do you have the Spirit of God? How do you respond to Jesus? The big issue is not church, as important as church is. It's not giving up a Sunday morning or a Sunday night to sit with other people. The big issue is not communion. The big issue is not baptism. The big issue is not having friends who are Christians. The big issue is how you respond to Jesus, the man, the God-man who is saviour of the world, God's king, God's saving king. Are you for or against? Are you with him or are you without him? Are you working for him or working against him? Are you in Christ or are you anti-Christ? The acid tense is... Acid test is your response to Jesus the Christ come in the flesh. And there are three critical divisions. Three critical places you might possibly be. Two of them are fairly obvious. John addresses these three divisions. There's what you might call, it's a bit, I don't like this phrase, but it's kind of the good guys and the bad guys. And the first group John speaks of is, John addresses the use. That is the children of God because he's speaking to believers. In verse 4, John says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What great news. Every Christian, everyone who has the Spirit, 
is a child of God. And John says to them, you are from God. You know, you come to Pennant Hills Baptist Church, you meet this person who's just so good looking, they're confident, they've sure, they've got a great sense of humor, an easy, easy swagger in their walk, and, and you, someone says to you, oh, they're from the Mackendoe family. Maybe. I won't talk about the big ears and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> John says, you know, not that you're from the Mackendoe family, you are from God. Before you were God's enemies, but you've been adopted into his family. You've been given new birth into a new family. You're from God. And being from God, well, you share in the victory and power of God. We overcome by the Spirit of God and greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. Those who have the Spirit, those who pass the acid test of faith in Jesus, there is no garden variety Christian. You are from God. Greater is the one in you than the one that's in the world. You're an overcomer. Second group that John refers to, he calls they, and the, that is the Antichrist, the false prophets who would deceive us, verse 5. They, on the other hand, are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. They are from the world. They are the enemies of God. Now on the outside, they look much the same. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. But they speak not from God but from the world's point of view, because they speak like the world speaks. And when they speak, don't be surprised that the world wants to listen to them. At times when I watch, maybe I'm getting older and crankier, but when I watch the news and current affairs, sometimes when I hear the flavour of the world speaking, I just get discouraged. What sort of values are we promoting? What, What sort of foundations are you trying to... Constantly tell me our world should be built on. Can't you see that this is empty? Can't you see what you're suggesting is contrary to love and community and health and respect? But I shouldn't be surprised. Because it's the world speaking. Those turned aside from God. And the world loves it. Hence we get ratings to sell advertisements, to sell products, to make profit. We all love it when people say things we, we agree with. You know, the really good politicians in our, in our country, they're the ones who say and propound policies that I think are really what we should be doing. They're the best politicians. The preachers I really like are the ones who say the things that I agree with. They're really a good preacher. And it can be very deceptive. If we meet someone who says what we want them to say, we think all of a sudden that they're a genius. Because they're actually agreeing with us. And aren't I a genius? Don't I see the world truly? If I say, oh, that was a good talk. Oh, that person's got a lot of insight. Maybe it's because they're just saying what I want them to say. When false prophets say things that are agreeable with the world, don't be surprised when the world applauds. Instead, be aware of the danger if you feel like 
putting your hands together because maybe it's just the carnal nature still in you. You're a follower of Jesus. And we are to be counter-cultural. One of my great concerns, and I probably fall into the trap too, is, is Christians, we are so often subcultural. We form a little subculture within culture. We are to be countercultural within culture. That is, we're to speak the language of the culture, we're to be all things to all men, we're to be in the world, but not of the world of a different culture, against the culture of the world. We need to be careful in the church that we don't just react against culture because we are ultra-conservatives by nature. We are to be the radicals, the counter-culturalists, using every means that we can to convey the good news of Jesus, to proclaim the offence of the cross, 